Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrantz and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to tonight's Dash Radio show. I am your host, Dawn Wright DeBrant, and I have my trusty sidekick. I'm here. <laughs> trusty sidekick. Peter Mingles. Peter's here. Peter's here. Get ready to get kicked one more time. One more time. And then we have our fantastic guest, the author of Emerging Markets for Dummies and so many other things, socially responsible investing for dummies and day trading for dummies and hedge funds for dummies. This woman has, like, taken the, the dummy out of all of business and finance for us, Miss Anne Logue. Annie, you prefer, right? Sure. Well, sure. Welcome Hi, to the and show. thank you so much for having me on the show. And it's it. This is just awesome. We um we're entrepreneurial radio, and we absolutely, you know, don't do enough of this topic. And I know that there are so many people out there who are really really excited about what to do with their money, you know, and how to invest it properly, and and things like the word hedge funds. You know, to me, I'm like the only hedges I know about are in my driveway. So <laughs> it's. It's really good to have you. Thank you so much. And thank you for creating all the For Dummies books for dummies like me, because I don't have a clue about what it is you're talking about. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So so how did you get started in this in this area of the world? You know, I worked in finance for many years. I was you know, I worked for an investment bank and I was a financial analyst and an MBA and CFA and the whole bang. And just um, got pretty burned out, and it didn't help that I was following healthcare services, which was a really um, not a really dynamic industry, not one where the <laughs> stocks were going up every day, every day, every day. Um, and the thing was, I really liked doing research, and I really liked what all was happening in finance. So I started teaching. Um, I teach part-time at the University of Illinois at Chicago in the finance department, and I started writing, and I found out that there was a big demand for writers who cared about these things. Mm-hmm. And the dummies people found me um, through uh, a writer I know who's done some of their small business books, and I thought it was a really neat opportunity. Their editors are really great. They're really professional. Their marketing department, they've got that brand out everywhere. You know, they've really done a phenomenal job promoting the brand. And I thought it was a really great opportunity to try to demystify a lot of this stuff. Finance isn't that difficult. The real challenge for most people is getting their emotion out of it. That being said, there are a lot of people who try to make it very complicated, and I felt like there was a great opportunity to cut through some of that. 
Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I can tell you, you know, anything that I've ever looked at in the finance realm that talked about this kind of stuff was just so far beyond, like, my scope. The jargon was just rampant, and, you know, it was just completely over my head. And, I mean, I, I think of myself as a relatively intelligent human being, and I have a really strong vocabulary, but it's all just such a different world. So somebody who took the time to, to I mean, I'm I'm going and getting all of these books because it's something that's always been of interest to me, but it's never been something that's just been laid out for in, in the simplest of terms, that this is why you would do this and this is why it's a good idea for some people and not for other people. And, and so really it's exciting that somebody took the time to do this. That's awesome. Thank yeah, well, you. thank you. Well, thank you. And, and we'll you know, make sure one we put the, them up there in the back office. Yeah. Right, Peter? Right. <laughs> but, you know, that's one of the things is that especially now because people have to take responsibility for their own retirement savings because corporate pensions, even a lot of public pensions are going away. And that becomes a real challenge because you have a lot of people who are really intelligent. They're just not intelligent about – finance. And and when you think about it, you know, if you're going to the hospital, do you want a nurse who's spent a lot of time learning about drug interactions or do you want a nurse who spent a lot of time learning about risk and return and the capital assets pricing model? I mean, we really we we want all these professionals, all these people that we deal with every day to be good at their job and that's not necessarily the same as being really good at investing, right? But at a real basic level, I mean, this is the most basic level. This gets back to stuff that like your grandmother and your great aunt and stuff told you, which is the first key is you need to live on less money than you make. Um, You need to set (laughs) some money aside. And that can be very difficult. Some people don't make enough money Um, But for a lot of people, and this is where a lot of the emotion starts to come into play, for a lot of people, um, they spend money for all kinds of reasons, some of which are good, some of which are, you know, maybe not so good. Um, And then, you know, you really have to sit there and say, okay, my future is important enough to set aside money. And we're all kind of dealing in this world. We all know on the one hand, life is too short, right? But on the other hand, I have relatives in their 90s and many other people do. So it's like, how do you balance this? Life is too short. Life is really long. Um, And that, I think, is is, starts to get into this emotional tension. But you do. You just have to, to make the commitment to try to find a way to save money. For many people, the one easy strategy is to look at their company retirement plan and when you get a raise, put at least half of that extra money into the retirement plan because that's money you didn't have before you got the raise, so it's money that in theory you shouldn't miss if you just start setting it aside right then and there. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I went fishing around. A friend of mine was selling selling uh, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of securities, and uh, mm-hmm. he told me that I should get a life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And 
as I was looking at this life insurance policy, I thought this is a terrible idea for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I did. I thought I I don't like this at all, and I'm I'm supposed to spend this for the next twenty years. I'm forty five <laughs> for God's sake. You know, I'm like this is just never going to happen for me. Um, I can imagine if you know you started at seventeen and you got something really small and you started to just put a little bit of money away every mm-hmm. single week. Um, even if it's micro amounts of money, that by the time you're in your 30s or your 40s or 50s, there's a huge amount of of really great investment that's been done. Um, you know, and I'd like to get my kids started right. I know I wasn't started on that path at all, ever. And so, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I've lived by, you know, I, I've bootstrapped my life, and I've done very well bootstrapping my life. And you know, I've I've created wonderful things. But um, I'd like to teach my kids to do it in, in ways that they have stuff to fall back on, that I never had those safety nets, you know. Um, so if somebody's brand new, just starting out, you know, they're graduating high school, they're in college, or they're on their way through, or maybe they're getting out of college, you know, they're, they want to start their own businesses, they want to create a, a life of their own, how do they get started right? What's, what's the path? Because it's not the same path that our grandparents used. No, and some of that is because starting out is maybe more expensive than it used to be when you figure the costs of education and the costs of getting established in housing and things like that. For most people coming out of high school and coming out of college, they probably have debt and they may very well be taking on more debt um, because they have things that cost money that they need. So student loans, um, you know, if you think about having to buy clothes to where to work, uh, maybe having to buy furniture, maybe having to buy a car, the key is making sure that any debt you take on at this phase of your life is taken on responsibly so that you don't take more than you can pay, you know, because it, you, you start getting all the offers, you start getting all the credit cards, you start thinking, well, you know, the whole advice about dress for the job you want rather than the job mm-hmm. you have, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you could find yourself spending way more money than, than is reasonable. So I think that if you're starting out, the real key is, keep that debt under control because at that stage you most likely will accumulate it. However, you want to be in a position where when you start making more money and when you already have the car and the furniture and the clothes, um, you don't need to take on any more, right, so that you can actually pay off that debt and, and get rid of it at the time when you're thinking about buying a house and starting a family and saving money for college and things like that. The second thing people really need to look into is if their company offers any type of retirement plan. And if they do, they should make a contribution, even if it's very small, even if it's $10 a paycheck, because it will start to add up. And if it's a plan like a 401k plan, the company will often be making a match. So that's free money. So even if you're only putting in $10 a month and the company's only putting in matching that at $10, that's still free money. That's money you didn't have. If your company does not have a retirement plan, you should consider opening an IRA account. Um, And, again, you can usually make fairly small contributions. A lot of banks will allow you to do as little as $50 a year. Um, and there's some small tax savings with that, which, again, you know, something. And it's at least getting you into the habit of doing that. 
And that habit gets really important because if you think about all the volatility we've had in the financial markets in the last, what, six six years, right? There's been all this tremendous volatility. But the fact of the matter is, even if you had simply put money aside, you would still be better off than somebody who didn't put money aside, right? Because even in 2008, when the stock market was down big, nobody lost everything, right? So you still were in the market, and if you were still setting money aside and still participating, then you would have been in a position to take advantage of the stock market rally that we had last year and that we seem to be having this year. So a lot of it's just, you know, sitting there saying, okay, even if the market's going up and down, I still need to put money aside because if I spend all that money, I will have nothing. Um, and even in a bad market year, I will still have something. <laughs> and and again, if we're thinking long term, you know, and it is this balance, it is this, you know, life is short and life is long, you, you are making this balance, but even small amounts can add up. You know, even small amounts paying in advance on your debt, you know, paying principal on your credit cards, um, even small amounts of being cautious in terms of how much money you borrow, um, you know, and small amounts of savings. Over time, they do add up. And and the analogy I always like to use is this, right? So, you know, when you always talk about diets, it's always, well, exercise more and eat less, and everybody does that, and then they don't lose weight, and they get mad, and it's this whole thing about, well, muscle weighs more than fat, and you've got to figure in changes in your metabolism and this, that, and the other. With finance, you don't have any of that, right? Mm -hmm. If you save more and spend less, you're going to be ahead. You're not going to have your metabolism playing games on you. So All right. <laughs> <laughs> Much easier. Yeah, some things can be simple, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, Peter. Peter's here. I'm gonna come back Turn with in. lots of questions on the other side of this little break. So we're gonna take All a break. Right. We'll be right back. Do you run a home based right. business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level. For email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to the dash radio show with hosts Don Wright to and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in to follow our every move. Here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.the dash radio show.com. Text dash to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience and like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio and now back to the show 
Hello and welcome back to The Dash and we are here with our fabulous guest <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry Peter you said that you were going to have questions and I was just about to ramp up so I'm going to shut yeah. up and let you no, go. Well, let's introduce our fabulous guest again. Anne Lowe, Anne Lowe, sorry. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes, you thank can, you. You guys can go ahead and find her at www.annlogue.com. That's A-N-N-L-O-G-U-E. And, of course, you'll be able to find her on the-radio.com. We'll do a whole write-up, and you'll be able to get to all of her books from there. Thank you. Excellent. No problem. Peter's up. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so... And just to kind of reiterate some of the things that you had mentioned, for some of the newer people listening in, or maybe I guess it's never too old, but when I first started after college... Mm-hmm. Um, somebody introduced me to a book by George Classen, The Richest Man in Babylon, and mm-hmm. he basically says, you know, you got to pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. So the company I was with had a retirement plan, and I put away as much as I could because that's what I was told to do. So I was kind of coachable. I like and listened to people that made a lot of money, and they said put away as much as I could, and I did. And it was like 4%, and then they matched the other whatever they did, and then eventually it was like 10%. And what I realized is that I learned how to live on stuff because I lived on what I got not necessarily what I made, meaning the check that I got is what I lived on, and I didn't really miss the 4 or 6 or 10% eventually. And through the self-discipline of having no self-discipline, because <laughs> <laughs> it was a forced savings, yeah. it actually afforded me the opportunity to take a shot at it many years later when I left that company. So my 401k plan actually helped me fund my next jump and if i hadn't have done that i really wasn't i don't really think i would have ever made that and there was a really great thing about you know the whole compound interest thing and the whole tax deferral thing and i didn't go to school for finance and i wish i had because what happened was um we were watching as a matter of fact towards the end when the stock market was really rocking and this was way back and i remember the 80s or the 90s when it was it was probably in the 80s when this was happening but we were actually watching how we were making more money daily on our previous investments than we were daily on the work that we did. Like, that was really cool. That was it, really cool. It doesn't happen often, but it's nice to be there when it does. Yeah, so like yeah. If, we made, if we made a sale for that day, we could actually show the sales rep, you made $150 on the sale, but because you did the right thing over the past years, you made 150 bucks when the stock went up. Mm-hmm. Now here's what I learned about finance, guys. You gotta mm-hmm. kind of, you can't leave it alone. Because mm-hmm. I got a guy named Joe, and I'm not gonna tell you where I live because somebody might kill him for me. But <laughs> when it, <laughs> a year after it started going downhill, mm-hmm. where I had all that money set aside for my mm-hmm. college education, I'm mm-hmm. like Joe, what do I do? And he said, Well, you're supposed to pull it. Like, when are your kids going to school? And I'm like, Now. He's like, well, did you pull it yet? I'm like, Joe, you're my financial advisor. What are you telling me? And I lost 80% of the financing. So the lesson that I learned was that I still can't ultimately like leave it alone. I have to be responsible for my own savings because I don't know where this guy was, but when the rest of the world was falling apart, so was my stock fund. And literally, I woke up and I lost 80% of the savings that I had made. So how do you handle that? Because there's going to always be cycles. If you live to be like as old as I am, you get, you're going to have cycles. How do you manage or track those cycles? Because right now, like it doesn't look like you could lose in the stock market, but that's right now. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is if you, you, know, if you really knew how to time the cycle, 
you would be retired. And anybody who really knows how it's time to cycle is living on a beach in Maui. They're not giving out financial advice because they're retired. And for most <laughs> of us, there's there's things you can sometimes see. You know, you can say, oh, yeah, the stock market's overvalued, but it might take two or three years to play out. Or you can say, well, it's undervalued, but it might take, you know, it, it was a long wait between 2008 and where we're at now. So I think for most people, what they need to do is understand that you're not going to always call it right. So the solution is to diversify, to have a mixture of investments in different types of funds. So, you know, at a very simple level, having some money in cash, um, say like an emergency fund that should probably be in a bank savings account, even though it's going to get basically no interest right now, but it'll be safe. Um, and having some money in um, a well-diversified stock fund, like a market index fund. Um, and maybe, you know, as you get more assets, you know, if, if again, if you're just starting out, you probably don't have enough assets to do much more diversification than that. But, you know, if you're, you know, after working 10, 20 years and you have some room for more diversification, then you would think about, you know, having some money in something that's safe, um, having some money maybe in the U.S. market, having some money invested internationally, um, owning some real estate in the form of the house you live, and then that gives you a little bit of a balance as well. Um, you know, there, where it gets tricky is if you've got one stock that's doing really well or if you work for a company and you own company stock and it's doing really well and you don't want to sell because it keeps going up. Um, and that's hard because – this, and this is where some of the emotional stuff gets in. What you, you know, the, the name of the game is buying low and selling high, but we want to buy things that look like they're doing well, and we don't want to sell until things are starting to get bad. So it, it, it's a little bit tough. Um, and so some of the discipline is putting money away in a diverse array of investments. Um, and some of it is is acknowledging that you may need to sell regardless of what's happening in the market. So, you know, if you think about um, the time when you think you're going to need the money, right? So an emergency fund, that's money you could need at any time. At any time, your car could be totaled and the insurance company could be fighting with you and you need a way to get to work, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to have some money in cash so that you can just deal with it. Um, and that, you may be giving up return, but, you know, when you think about the stock market, that is long-term money. That's really money you're not going to need for five, really ten years or more. So that makes it good for retirement um, because, you know, when people are saving younger, then some of this, this gray area is, like you mentioned, college, right? And you need to sit there and think, okay, if my kid is going to be, um, entering school in two years, and the stock market is kind of a five to ten year or more time horizon, do I really want to still have money in the stock market? And sometimes it's hard because you're like, yeah, 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 but, you know, the bank account is paying nothing, and the stock market's up 15%, but you're, you're balancing that. And, and what you sometimes need to do is say, okay, I'm going to sell, 
and put the money in something safe, even though I know I may be leaving some appreciation on the table, but that's because I need this money for specific goals. I need this money as part of a diversified portfolio, um, and so I need to have some balance. Um, and and I think, you know, and again, thinking like back to things that, you know, your grandmother, your great aunt always said about it being impolite to talk about money. I think one of the reasons that people sometimes make mistakes is that in our culture, we use money as a way to keep score. People like to brag about money. Um, it's not ever considered polite to ask people how much money they make, but people feel no problem about bragging about a different stock price you know, stock pick they had, and that sounds great, except they're not telling you about all the stocks they had that are losers. And sometimes <laughs> you think all your friends are doing better than you are, but maybe they're not. You and know, maybe their really, goals are just so different, it really doesn't matter. That is so interesting, because we were just talking about that. My uh, my husband and I, we're both, and, and Peter too, we all come from Roman Catholic Italian homes. Or, and, and, excuse me, Alex's home is very French, okay, all, all European. And I know, Peter, and I don't know if that was the same with you, but I was raised thinking we were broke. Like, I mean, and Alex was raised thinking that they were broke. And and then and my, my dad was, the, he's retired now, but he was the CIO of Elizabeth Arden Corporation. We lived in Fairfield County, Connecticut, you know. It, it came around to me. We weren't broke, you know. But when I asked, well, okay, how much money afforded this lifestyle, that was like, oh, you know, never would that be discussed for <laughs> a million years. I've raised my kids very differently because mm-hmm. I never knew how much money we needed. I didn't know anything about money moving into my adult world. I just knew, you know, go to college, become a doctor or a lawyer, you'll be fine. But never was, like, what's really great money and what do I need to afford the lifestyle in which I've become accustomed was never talked about in our home. And I, I think that this generation is changing that. I think they are, and I think you're right. It is important for kids to know what things cost or to know what their parents' priorities are. Um, you know, and I think it's, you know, you don't necessarily need to tell your kids how much money you make right. or how much money you're spending on your clothes or something, but I think it is fair to say, look, you know, it's important to us to pay for you to go to college. It's important to us that we go on a nice vacation. That means we're not going to spend a lot of money on Christmas presents, um, but these are our priorities. Or it's important to us to give money to charity or to save to retirement or whatever. And I also think, you know, just to know what you do at the grocery store and, and how you compare prices. And that's a basic skill that you can teach your kids regardless of how much money you, you bring in. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we have just a couple of minutes before before our next break, but, I mean, I think that uh, I think you're dead on with that, and I think that it's so critical to, I mean, I know that the first time I looked at what it would cost to have a family of six go on a real <laughs> vacation, mm-hmm. I, I choked. I thought, what? Are you kidding <laughs> me right now? And that, I mean, forget, what? how are we going to get there? Because we certainly can't afford to buy plane tickets on this. You know, with the price of airfare going up. So, I mean, I think that it's it's a real shock um, to to people's system when they get out of school. And I know, like in in Newtown, Connecticut, which is where I'm from, and I now live in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we made the trip, my husband and I did around the around the world trip, and 
and uh, we we made the transition because my kids were down here with their dad. And I came down here and I looked at the prices of land, the prices of homes, the prices of rent, and I went, oh, my God. I mean, I'm from New England. I'm from Fairfield County, New England. You know, this is just, you know, same as California. The two places I lived were the two top um, you know, most ridiculous places to live in America, you know, on a financial scale. And so many kids were getting out of high school that, you know, my son's friends, and they couldn't afford to live in their own hometown. And my daughter is up there right now with my dad, and she's like, Poppy's going to sell the house, and he's going to, because, you know, my dad wants to come down here and be with family. And I said, she's like, and Forrest and I are thinking about doing some intern programs here. And I said, Susie. You cannot afford to live anywhere near that house. Um, your zip code would be in the nosebleed section. You know, Forrest will have an absolute conniption if he finds out what it costs to even just the utilities alone will bury you. And it's terrible that kids can't live in their home, own hometowns anymore. I mean, it's just it's gotten to the point where it's really gotten out of hand. You know, yeah. and uh, I, I I don't even know how to explain it to my kids other than yeah, you you just it's not the same world anymore. You can't you know you can't get out of school and you know even with a degree, hope to be able to survive. You know, and and Alex, you know his baby brother, my husband's baby brother. You know he everything I told Alex came true for him. Said he's going to get out of school. He's going to be dead broke. He's not going to be able to get a job with the degree that he's got. And he's going to be living at home. And two years after his degree, I, I hate that I was right. But, I mean, what are they supposed to do anymore? It's just gotten to the point where I just shake my head. You know, Pete, I, I mean, am I, am I preaching the choir right now? Is that why you're silent you. over there? I am hearing you. Let me tell you, I am hearing <laughs> you. we got to take that break, but we're going to come back and talk about that because there's some solutions, I'm sure. Savage Smokes is a new site on the scene dedicated to the trending electronic cigarette industry. If you are looking into e-cigs as an alternative to tobacco and have been disappointed by the ones you picked up at the gas station or you kept your money in your pocket because you didn't know which one to buy, head to SavageSmokes.com for honest and up-to-date electronic cigarette reviews on most e-cigs you see on the shelves. You've been listening to The Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. And we are back with our guest, Anne Lode, and that is www.annlogue.com. Okay, so I'll get off my soapbox. I'm going to be quiet for a minute because I got a little riled up about that last topic. <laughs> and uh, are there solutions, Anne? I think, she jumped out of, I think she jumped out of that window that she was by. Um, I think. That's a skinny window, Anne, by the way. I'm back. Okay, You're good. back. <laughs> I'm, I pressed the wrong button. It happens. I'm sorry Peter does about it all that. the time. Okay. <laughs> if it was red, you're not supposed to push it. So. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, the question on the table is, is there a solution out there for these guys, for these kids? You know, they're coming through, they're eager, they're they're graduated. You know, what, what does anybody do? 
And some of it, I think, is giving them, expe- you know, setting expectations. And I think, you know, we came off a really strong economy for many years. And I think people need to get back to the idea like, okay, it's not always easy just out of school, but, you know, let's try to be smart about it. So if you're living at home, even if you're not making a lot of money, you shouldn't need to be taking on debt. You may be able to set aside even a little bit, right? So sit there and say, okay, I need to come up with a plan for getting out of my parents' house, and it's going to be, you know, a small amount of money maybe, but but something. And I think helping people, helping kids um, – understand that they don't necessarily need to buy everything new, fresh, that they can defer that for a little bit, that they need to make sure that they don't make their financial situation worse by taking on a lot of credit card debt. Um, And some of that's going to be education. Some of that, I think, is going to be the parents being supportive, you know, helping to give them good advice, um, you know, you know, maybe pointing out, say, you know, here's a good sale or, you know, look what I found at the thrift shop. I, I keep thinking that the, the, the Ryan Lewis Macklemore song might make that fashionable again. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Um, but, you know, where, where maybe it's a little bit or, you know, parents giving kids like, you know, if you're breaking up household for an elderly relative and there's plates and cups you know, and silverware, giving them to the kid out of college and saying, okay, yeah, they don't match. Yeah, it's not a full service for eight, but it'll get you through, hang tight, you can upgrade. And I think sometimes people just need to be reminded, you can upgrade. Life is long, right? And so Mm -hmm. just because you don't have the best of everything when you're 21 doesn't mean you're screwed for the rest of your life. But it helps to get some good habits to the extent that you can. Um, and, and it is. It is tough out there. It really is. Things seem to be getting a little better, but that's not saying a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think some of it's just expectations. A lot of it really, though, is helping them get some good habits and keep some perspective and try to remember that, you know, it's like any kind of bad time, you're going to get through it. You just have to stick to those fundamental good habits, and that goes with money. Hey, I have a question question for Annie relative to her her own personal success. Mm -hmm. She Mm kind of hinted at a little bit earlier in reference to being an author for the Dummies Mm -hmm. brand Mm -hmm. and how that happened. I'm always interested Mm -hmm. in the the story of that. So let me see if I think I got this right. Uh, You're a good person, hard worker, (laughs) talented for sure, Right, all that sort of stuff. Oh, and sure. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. You're welcome. Well, you created that environment, and you may not have really been looking for it, but because you created that environment, something happened that was a nice break, meaning mm-hmm. the prestige, if you will, of being a co- uh, one of the authors of the Dummy series, which is probably mm-hmm. one of the most popular series out on the planet, against Mark Victor Hansen thinks Chicken Soup for the Soul is. <laughs> that, which is a really strong... Brand That's a too. great brand, but the reality is, is that you know that I have my own, <laughs> my own opinion of all of those types of things. But but here you went and you actually got part of a major brand, and it doesn't sound like you were looking for it, but because you were the right person, mm-hmm. doing the right things long enough consistently, you were able to take advantage of the 
door that swung open. <laughs> now, did I hear that in what you said, or am I making this stuff up as we go along? I mean, that there is some of that. I mean, I, I had been writing for a while before that, but it wasn't things that were necessarily interesting. You know, I do a lot of things like textbook editing um, in finance, so it keeps me close to the field, but it doesn't – it's not as glamorous, right? Um, and it's not the same kind of audience, right? You don't need to, um, you know, be as clear or as concise or something in, in a textbook as you do for a dummies book. Um, and and I think that gets into, I'd like to say some of that gets into having good habits that I was able to have some career flexibility because we don't have um, – debt here you know we we have a mortgage but that's it that my husband and I have always had a fairly clear sense of what we felt we should spend money on and what we felt we didn't need to spend money on and I think that helps because if you have a relatively low um, you know it's it's like with business your fixed costs and your variable costs if your fixed costs are low then you can take some more chances and for a lot of people, the really big fixed costs become the minimum service on your debt. Um, so I think that's something people need to be to be aware of. And I think, especially for people out of college, there's a real temptation to go to go nuts with credit cards on top of student loans. And I think so that gets into to some of that advice. And I think some of it is, um, you know, it's y- you just. You you need to make a lot of leaps in life, right? I mean, this, so this, is, yours, this is yeah. So how did yours happen? Like, I want to hear that story because it sounds as if you were kind of plugging away at the things that you were doing. Mm-hmm. The right person, the hard worker, mm-hmm. you know, the talented person, top of your field kind of thing. And the, where did the dummies thing come in? Because I don't think you that was on your goals list. It wasn't it, like I want to be a, dumb, a dummies uh, author, but it sounded like it happened. It happened, and and it did happen, like I said, I knew a writer who had done some of their small business marketing books, um, and so, and they had actually asked her if she wanted to do a book on hedge funds, and she was like, she didn't know anything, Um, and I think maybe the other piece of it, besides having the low fixed costs, I think the other piece of it with life in general is is maybe this is getting a little too like woo woo here, but it is weird and strange. And if you get out and you meet people and you talk to people, you never know what you're going to learn, who you're going to be able to help, who's going to be able to help you, whether it'll be now or years later. But I've always loved getting out and talking to people. There's so many really interesting people in this world. And I think um, I've, I'm a big believer in networking um, just because you get to get out. And I think especially if you're self-employed, you can get very cloistered. You can get very trapped in your office and, and kind of weird if you don't get out and talk to people. So um, it ends up having this double advantage of keeping you sane and – leading to connections where people can, you know, everybody can help each other go on with their business goals. So, so you're, the right, you're with the right person, an opportunity came up, and mm-hmm. then they recommended you, and then obviously you took advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And like I said, they have been great to work with. Yeah. I so know. I'm glad I did. Yeah. I I'm did glad Marsha referred me all those years ago. I love to hear the story because there's a lot of people that are out there, and sometimes the things that you're doing today don't always show up. Like you don't always hear a cha-ching. 
but because you learned your trade about hedge funds, because you went out there and you did your networking, because you made some friends, because you were the right person, all of those things created that fishbowl environment for that recommendation to happen, and that helped you take that next biggest leap. So a lot of people that are listening, you know, you're out there building your dream, and you don't always hear a cha-ching at the end of the day. Sometimes those things that you do on a consistent basis really are forming the foundation for your next big break. You just might not see it immediately at that time. I think that's true, and and maybe that gets back a little bit about the question about what do you tell these these frustrated recent college graduates, and some of it is get out in the world, don't sit in front of the TV all day, even though you know you might not be working or you might not be working anywhere near your potential, but if you can get out and talk to people and meet people in your community or you know do service work, you know volunteering can be a great way to meet people. But some of it's just to force yourself to get out into the world and see what you can learn because it can add up in all kinds of ways. Right? I mean, we're you know human beings, we're social creatures, and, and it's good for us to be talking to each other and, and finding things out. And, you know, that's how a lot of people get investment ideas. That's how people grow businesses, and that's just how people build communities and just, you know, meet their neighbors and find out who's doing what and, you know, who's looking out for each other. And so I, I think it's all good. Um, and, again, this does start to sound a little bit, you know, all out of the finance department, away from the Excel spreadsheet. But I, I think it matters. Excellent. Okay, so finance is relative to our future. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we hear things like, you know, we're, now you got to remember, we're in network marketing. So right. we do a lot of stuff with network marketers. And network marketers love stories. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need it. To, and nothing has to be based on any fact. If it sounds good <laughs> and, it's, and it's a shiny object, people are jumping at it. And this is part of the gig relative to this business. You know, I was reading, I was just watching a, a movie, a, a, a presentation about a guy telling people how they're going to be driving BMWs, everybody in 90 days. Not necessarily what we talk about being fiscally <laughs> responsible, but everybody, sponsor three, sponsor three, sponsor three, and all of a sudden you're going to have a black BMW. And we're going to pay it in 90 days. And just totally different from maybe being physically responsible. But in some instances, it's possible. So people can make a lot of money, and that's the dangerous part of the allure of this business as well. But what about, like, the the rest of the country and the finances? Is the U.S. going to run out of money? Are we going to have no money for health care? What is the long-term prognosis, or is this just, like, a whole big confusing issue? It's big and confusing, and I think it's been muddled by everybody's so busy arguing politics that they're not paying it, that, that a lot of this stuff knows no party, knows no ideology. It's just happening, right? Um, now, the weird thing is, for all the problems we have in the U.S., we're still in better shape than a lot of the world. And that's actually one reason our interest rates are so low is because there's so much uncertainty in China and in Europe that people want to put their money here. You know, the reason that Chinese investors own so many treasury bonds isn't anything sinister. They're just looking for safety, and China has a lot of uncertainty. And the U.S., for, we're still, you know, largest economy in the world. Um, we wealthiest people are, you know, high, high income. We have a, 
a very um, well-educated country, um, and, you know, we've got nuclear bombs, <laughs> and that sounds a little goofy, but it's like we're in a very strong position. That doesn't mean that everything's safe and everything's going to be perfect, but when you look at some of the really major changes and the really major uncertainty in much of the world, we're in an okay position. Um, and I think the big overhang in the world right now is Europe. Um, we've never had a unified currency like we have with the euro, so we've never had to deal with the breakup of a unified currency before. And, you know, there's a lot of back and forth about what's going to happen, um, you know, what's going to happen with Greece, what's going to happen with Cyprus, what's going to happen with Spain. Um, and I don't think we really know. Um, but I would much rather be in the U.S. trying to figure that out than being anywhere in Europe. Um, and and um, I think that's um, – and in some ways that's the big risk. I mean, when you consider the history of Europe, that is a continent that had three genocides in the 20th century. These are not people who like each other. Yeah, tough stuff. Um, and, and so I think there's – that's a bit of an overhang. I think in the U.S., the big the, the big risk is is something that is very visible and known. We just need to deal with it, and that is the rapidly aging population. Um, it's the good news, bad news thing about people having a much longer life. Um, it's meant for a much greater quality of life for many people. It means that they have a lot more time to spend with their family and friends and learning new things. And But at the same time it ends up being very expensive, um, and it's meant, say, for state and local governments. You know, when they promised pensions, they weren't really looking at having, you know, 25% of their teachers live to be over 90, you know. Um, you know, you're not thinking about that. You're not thinking about these longer life expectancies, and that's something we need to deal with, and whether we deal with it by... Um, people working longer, um, whether we deal with it by change, having radical changes in our healthcare system, whether it's some kind of a cultural change. Um, you know, one of the very interesting things, I was in China last summer, and I had one of my students there say to me that she felt so sorry for elderly people in America because their families didn't take care of them. And I was like, oh, you don't understand. You've clearly never had the fight with an elderly person when you're saying to them, you need to leave your house. You cannot take care of yourself. Or let me pay somebody to come and clean your house. Or why don't you, you know, in America, the, the, the thought has been that we have this very intensive child rearing. And then you're on your own and you will be on your own until you die. And that's a good thing. Right? I mean, our elderly people value their independence, and maybe that has to change. Maybe we need to rethink, um, rethink some of the, these relationships. And, again, that goes on both sides. That's the, the parents, the grandparents need to rethink their independence. The children, the grandchildren need to rethink that relationship as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, before the U.S. had Social Security, most elderly people moved in with their children. Oh yeah, everywhere else in the world there's family family generations of mm -hmm. people living in the same homes. We are the mm -hmm. only place that I've ever seen this. Um Right. You know, and again, like we, when you go to the elderly people, they don't want to move in with their kids. 
Right, right, right. But maybe that's what has to change. Right. Yeah. I mean, generationally, like you know, I I'm I'm a very you know family oriented person, and you know, I've been trying to get my dad to come down and move close, and you know, it's it's a really it's a difficult thing because we've been all raised to be these independent beings, and that the family unit just ceases to exist at some point in 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 America. But uh, you know, I go over to Asia, and they've got four generations living in the same house, and it's the way it is. You know, you mm-hmm. would never think that. You know, what do you mean a girl's moving out of her house until she's married, and won't he be coming to live here, or is she going to live with their parents, his parents? Mm-hmm. You know, they. It's just so different. It's so different. We, maybe the, maybe this is something, but but these these are again these these are a lot of the kind of conversations that maybe we need to have. How important is it? How much you know? How much we're going to need to save? Um, because there is no, there's no real easy solution. It's going to be possible to get through this, but we do. Um, I think this is the biggest concern we have in the U.S. is how we deal with this aging population and what does that mean for work, what does that mean for savings, what does that mean for health care, what does that mean for families. And um, But it's still, I think, an easier situation to deal with than what we've seen in Europe. But a lot of Europe's problems have been um, exacerbated by an aging population. And the thing to remember is Europe didn't have a big post-World War II baby boom Mm -hmm. um, because they lost, right? Mm -hmm. You know, those Mm -hmm. countries were were devastated by the war. Um, And so, you know, they didn't have the huge increase in fertility that we had in the U.S. So they're facing it a little earlier. We are in a position where we can learn from what's happened there. Um, and we're in a position where we don't have to worry about, you know, making nice with our historic enemies in order to protect our currency. Um, so we have a little more flexibility. You know, um, part of the problem in Greece was they had a retirement age of 50. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they had what they thought was cheap debt because it was in euros, and they had this early retirement age, and they weren't collecting taxes, and everything was great, and then it blew up. And so if we can say, okay, at least we're borrowing money in a currency we control, and 50, you know, real early retirement doesn't work, you know, and, and, and but at least we have a point of reference. And I think that, that again, this is something we're going to have to deal with, and we're going to have to deal with it as grown-ups, and that means, you know, instead of sitting here, you know, arguing different political points of view. It's like, okay, really we need to think about what's best for all of us rather than what's going to get some guy reelected. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I, I like mean, this just, gal. I like this gal. I do, too. Well, We're thank you. Keep her. We are keeping her. For sure. <laughs> we are so far over break. I think. <laughs> <laughs> like, break. We should just finish. Okay, let's we'll just finish. Let's just finish. We'll just go to six right. minutes after. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you are so singing our tune. We're just like, you know, the whole, we're we're entrepreneurs, Peter and I, very mm-hmm. much. And that's all I've ever known, you know. And with the dad who was like the suit of all suits, you know, I was this black sheep, and everyone's looking at me going, what is she doing? What, she's multi-level what, you know. And, and you know, this just never made sense to my family. But, you know, I'm a cat. I land on my feet. I'm a hunter. I eat what I kill. This is what I do. And, 
And it's it's just I look at the State of the Union and I'm like, okay, so the more people that are on welfare, we win something? I don't know. You know, I don't understand the consciousness. Um, but I'm watching people, you know, literally go on welfare because they don't want to work for 12 bucks an hour because then, then you know, if they're on welfare, then the state will put their kids through school. And I go, oh, God, we're broken. Mm-hmm. Our nation is broken right now. And and the the consciousness is just so, so off. And it's like, how do you tell people, you know, this is your family. Be with your family. I I said, you know what, I'm just going to buy a bigger house so that more people in my family can live here. And we're all going to go ahead and chip in and we're going to do what it takes because we're a family and that's what we do. And you know what? I can't do that in Connecticut, so I'm going to do it in Arkansas. Because in Arkansas, I can buy a house for the same $400,000 that I can house 15 people in and not three. You know, and they'll never and, see and, each other. <laughs> and you'll never even know that the other people are there. That's right. But, you know, it's a situation where, you know, I think we have to, as a nation, get back to the consciousness of family and generational housing and, and people actually, you know, that that's where we used to be, you know, when it was like the American dream was, you know, that, you know, my kids are going to have a better life than I had and their kids are going to have a better life than they did. I don't know where it happened that we threw each other out of the nest and said better fly quick and that you know it was it's not about giving you know the next generation more opportunity anymore. It's like you know, now it's like less of an opportunity. You know, you can have 10 times the education that I had and have 10 times a harder time getting getting a life out of it. You know, and it's just it's not the same world anymore. It's not the same country for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So I'm I'm all about it. I am barking up your tree right now, Anne. <laughs> I think we could, you know, I think Americans are very strong and very resilient people. It's just going to take hard work, and we just got to accept it's going to be hard work. So let's do it. I think there's a separation between the people that are kind of thinking that way, kind of mm-hmm. waking up again that mm-hmm. way because they got a little soft for a long time. Mm-hmm. There was a period of time when, you know, everybody was refinancing their house or being able to sell, you know, sell their house yeah. or move into something else. And we got really soft for, I don't know, maybe almost a portion of a generation. And mm-hmm. that really kind of set the tone where some people are just kind of snapping out of it saying, that's not like this anymore. This is a new normal. And this new normal is a little bit tougher, and you have to work harder, and you have to go back to kind of like your roots, which feels good, although it takes more effort. You know, it feels good because we're getting better and stronger. But what definitely seems to be happening is there's a separation between the people that are thinking that way and those that still think the world is about whatever they see on reality TV. And that's a big challenge, and I think that's going to be a rude awakening for a whole bunch of people because when they wake up, it might be a little bit too late. Mm-hmm. Mhm. So. Yes. That that's the truth. Okay, we have three more minutes before we have to shut up and, and play our extra. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about where to find her stuff. We're going to talk about where to find okay. her stuff. That's perfect. All right. So we've got, we've got www.annlogue.com, and yes. she's also at Facebook. Is that Facebook.com forward slash Anne as well? Mhm. Mhm. Okay. And uh, I'm sending you a friend request right now so that oh, I can great. go ahead and make sure that we get get it out to all of our friends and the people we have on our social. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just very grateful that you came on and hung out with us, Anne. I think this oh. has been a really – it's been a super refreshing show. And, well, thank uh, you. How else can we get people in touch with you and listening to your message? 
Um, well, the books are available at larger bookstores. They're also available at public libraries if people are looking for ways to save money. And the public libraries of this country have been great supporters of the Dummy series. Um, there are some libraries who buy pretty much everyone that comes out, so so that's good for. I, I'm happy if you do that. Um, uh, I'm on. Twitter and I'm on Google Plus and LinkedIn and just about everything, um, so people can find me there. And um, I think that's it. Um, you know, it like I said, it's great working with the dummies people because they do get those books out. They get them to bookstores. They get them to libraries. People can find them and learn whatever they need to learn. How many dummies books are there? Like what types? Are there a hundred titles? Or? Oh, there's thousands. Thousands. Of there's titles. thousands. Um, they have the pet series have been very popular. Um, you know, if you want to take care of almost any breed of dog or cat, um, as well as some exotic pets, there are books for you. Um, they have some really good books on um, crafts. Um, and technology and software. So if you have a fancy camera or you have a fancy new computer system or your boss is kind of wanting to know why you're not picking up um, content management as fast as you should, um, there are books out there for you. Um, they, I, it always amazes me whenever they can come up with something new because I, it seems like they have the world covered, but they are out there exploring looking for new things that people need to learn about. So, Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yes, she does. Um, and we are talking about you in the showroom, so we're going to make sure that we keep in touch with you. We've got a great deal to talk to you about. And oh, that would be we're, great. We're adopting you. We're keeping you. I, I think <laughs> I mentioned that earlier. <laughs> I can move into your house and you'll never see me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And you know, and, and be careful not to make anyone mad because we live in Arkansas with a lot of land and we could bury you in the backyard and no one would find you. <laughs> Oh, it has been so great. Thank you so much for coming. Everybody, thank you so much for coming and listening to us blab on about all that stuff that means so much in your dash. And we will see you here tomorrow night, same time, same bat channel. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. At the dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows, click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404, and don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thedashradio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon.